Today on The Matt Walsh Show, in the most egregious case of big tech censorship yet, Amazon has declared that it will not sell any books which categorize transgenderism as a mental illness, which is to say they're not going to allow science on their website anymore. Also, five headlines, including Joe Biden deciding what sort of July 4th celebration you're allowed to have. Plus, a former conservative actress goes on an apology tour, but the left is, of course, not accepting the apologies, as they never do. And the stimulus bill is passed. Is that any, any reason to celebrate? We'll talk about that in our daily cancellation. We'll also discuss the renewed controversy over women in the military. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. You know, there are some problems that you experience in life that you might think, well, there's no solution. You just have to live with it. Uh, and oftentimes that's not the case. One of those, hair loss. You, know, you don't have to live with hair loss. There is a solution and you should pursue it. 80 million men and women in the U.S. experience thinning hair, yet it's still not openly talked about, which can make going through it feel scary and stressful, and that just adds to the problem. Nutrafol is formulated with potent botanicals to help your hair grow as strong as you are, and it's physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. On top of thicker, stronger hair without lasers or chemicals, Nutrafol's ingredients may also help you get a handle on better sleep, stress response, skin, nails, and libido. You can visit Nutrafol.com and uh, take their hair wellness quiz for customized product recommendations that put the power to grow thicker, stronger hair back into your hands. In clinical studies, this is what you need to know. 72% of men saw more scalp coverage and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after six months. That's what it comes down to. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and using promo code Walsh to save 20% off your first month subscription. This is their best offer available anywhere and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus free shipping on every order. Get 20% off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com. Promo code Walsh for hair as strong as you are. So a few weeks ago, Amazon, without warning or explanation, removed from its website all copies of a book authored by Ryan T. Anderson titled When Harry Became Sally Responding to the Transgender Moment. Now, Anderson's uh, work, excellent work, offers a, a scholarly, thoughtful science-based criticism of gender theory, advocating therapy for those who experience gender confusion rather than drugs and surgery. The book's page on Barnes & Noble uh, on their website, where for the moment it's still available, offers this description. I want to read this to you just so you understand what, what this book is really all about. The description is, when Harry Became Sally provides thoughtful answers to questions arising from our transgender moment. Drawing on the best insights from biology, psychology, and philosophy, Ryan Anderson offers a nuanced view of human embodiment, a balanced approach to uh, public policy on gender identity, and a sober assessment of the human cost of getting human nature wrong. This bo- book exposes the contrast between the media's sunny depiction of gender fluidity and the often sad reality of living with gender dysphoria. It gives a voice to people who cried, uh, tried to transition by changing their bodies and found themselves no better off. Especially troubling are the stories told by adults who were encouraged to transition as children but later regretted subjecting themselves to those drastic procedures. So, this is far from a polemical diatribe, okay? It's, in other words, it's not the kind of thing that I would have written. And there's certainly nothing hateful or bigoted about it. Yet, it was apparently blacklisted by the world's largest bookseller, ostensibly for violating Amazon's hate speech policies. But no further explanation was offered until this past Thursday, yesterday, when the company provided more details on its decision to uh, get rid of the book in a letter to Republican senators. With their reasoning laid out in greater detail, we now know that the situation is even worse than it first appeared. Now that they've explained it, it's even worse than you thought. The letter from Amazon's vice president of public policy, Brian uh, Huseman, says, quote, as a bookseller, we provide our customers with access to a variety of viewpoints, including books that some, some customers may find objectionable. Amazon works hard to ensure customers have a great shopping experience and access to the widest and most diverse cross-section of written and spoken word in retail today. That said, we reserve the right not to sell certain content. All retailers make decisions about what selection they choose to offer, as do we. As to your specific question about when Harry became Sally, we have chosen not to sell books that frame LGBTQ plus identity as a mental illness. Now, Hoosman is telling the truth about Amazon selling books with a variety of viewpoints. Mein Kampf, for example, is still for sale on their site. Hitler's viewpoints are still considered acceptable enough to warrant inclusion in Amazon's catalog, but scientific facts about transgenderism are not. 
They say that Anderson's book can't be sold because it frames LGBT identities as mental illness. But the problem is that, first of all, Anderson doesn't actually call transgender people mentally ill in his book. Just a little, little, uh, you know, a little minor detail there. He doesn't, he doesn't really say that. But second, and most importantly, gender dysphoria is a mental illness. The American Psychiatric Association's Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM, lists gender dysphoria as a mental disorder. It's right there. You can check for yourself. Now, I do hesitate to use the DSM to prove the point here because the APA frequently changes the DSM for political and ideological reasons. They've been doing that for decades. In fact, the category of gender dysphoria is itself a reflection of political changes. This is a, that phrase and that categorization is part of political, sort of political evolution um, in our approach to this issue. 30 years ago, the DSM listed transsexualism as a disorder. That was changed to gender identity disorder, I think in 1994, I believe. Um, and then a couple of years ago, gender identity disorder was changed to gender dysphoria. And the point of the latest change was to label as disordered the distress that a person feels from their perception that their body and their gender don't align, rather than to label the perception itself as disordered. Okay, so you see the needle they're trying to thread there. But no scientifically coherent justification was given for any of these changes. And that's because, in my view, the changes were made not for scientific, but for ideological reasons. Be that as it may, the real problem that the left, and therefore Amazon, has with Anderson's book isn't that he considers gender identity disorder or gender dysphoria, as we now call it, until we have to call it something else again in, you know, five years. Um, it's not that he calls it a mental disorder, but that, he doesn't, that, but, but that he doesn't advocate drugs and surgery to treat it. So that, that's the real problem for them. Anderson's view, which is the most humane, compassionate, and scientifically valid view on this subject by far, is that those who perceive themselves to be in the wrong body should be helped Okay, yes, we should help them. Their feelings are real. Nobody's denying that. At least I'm not denying that. Ryan T. Anderson's not denying that. What they say that they feel, they really do feel that way. And it is causing them distress. Profound distress. And they should be helped through therapy and counseling to accept themselves for who they are. They should be helped to love their own bodies rather than changing their bodies to resemble something or someone else. Now, in probably the most disturbing example of Orwellian rhetorical manipulation that we've seen yet, the left has taken to calling this position conversion therapy. Okay, they call that conversion therapy now. That is, therapy to help a person accept themselves for who they are is conversion, we're told now. Whereas giving a boy hormone pills and then eventually performing surgery on his genitals to make them resemble the genitalia of a different sex is not conversion, but affirmation, they say. So again, just to, under, just to review the Orwellian rules here, if you believe that a person who's gender confused should be given therapy to accept themselves for who they are, you are advocating conversion therapy. But if you believe in giving someone drugs and hormones, uh, giving a boy drugs and hormones so that he grows breasts and then, and then performing surgery on his genitals, you, you are advocating affirmation. According to Amazon, this view, which, you know, validates and deepens confusion, the view that we should, quote, affirm uh, gender by performing surgery, deepens confusion rather than alleviate it. According to Amazon, that's not only the right view, but it's the only view that should be allowed to be expressed and disseminated. So understand the consequences here, because they are dire. Amazon is far and away, the largest bookseller in the world. If they declare a certain viewpoint forbidden, that means it'll eventually be erased from publication completely. And Amazon obviously knows that. Publishers aren't going to publish books that Amazon's not going to sell. The objective is, and the effect will be, to simply prevent people from being exposed to the other side. That is, the scientifically and morally defensible side of the gender argument. Now, an interesting question is, why are they doing this with the gender topic and not others? I mean, why are all other conservative books, even on controversial topics, allowed to remain? You can go to Amazon right now. You can buy conservative books on 
gun rights and 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 immigration and taxes and even abortion. I mean, all that stuff is there, still there. Why are they taking this book down on this topic? Well, the first answer is don't count your chickens. This is just the beginning. The second, though, is that the left recognizes how fundamental this issue is, how much they gain by winning it. And also, they recognize at some level how totally and utterly indefensible their position on the topic is. They cannot engage with Anderson's viewpoint. They simply cannot defend the idea that children with gender confusion should be drugged and mutilated. They can't defend it. They know they can't. They can only defend it in a vacuum where no other viewpoints are expressed. And even there, they can barely defend it. And so that's what this is about. That's what they're doing right now. All of this is about creating the vacuum where only their views are heard. Let's get now to our five headlines. Now I want to tell you about True Underdog Podcast. You know, raised in a trailer park with no clear path to success, kicked out of high school multiple times and faced with becoming a father in his teens, Jason Waller is the definition of a true underdog. After hearing the words no or you can't too many times, he unleashed the power within to start three successful companies with his most recent venture, Power Home Solar, skyrocketing on a path to becoming a billion-dollar enterprise. You can join the podcast as Waller, a four-time entrepreneur of the year, shares motivational tips, uh, inspiring stories, and business-building lessons from the ground up. He shares his life experiences and that of his high-profile guests to help others better themselves. As Waller will tell you, there is no elevator to success. The climb only happens one step at a time. Let every True Underdog podcast be that step that elevates you. Uh, that's what you have to do. Learn about failure. Learn about entrepreneurship. Learn about never quitting or making excuses. It's real. It's raw. It's motivational. That's the True Underdog podcast. So you can go right now and check out the True Underdog podcast at trueunderdog.com, or you can look at it anywhere or hear it anywhere you get your podcasts. All right. Um, this is pretty exciting. I get to do my first, I think it's my first Matt Walsh show retraction and clarification. So this is when you know you've really grown up and become a a full-grown man when you get to do this. So yesterday on the show, I said that Alabama was passing uh, that abortion ban. And it's actually not Alabama. It's Arkansas. So I knew it was one of those A states down south. It was one, you know, one, one of those two. Um, but that was, the, that was a mistake. And I just want to say, I take no responsibility for this mistake whatsoever. And um, if, you know, if it caused you any distress, I mean, really, you owe me an apology. Get off my case about it. I take no, It's not my fault. I was only going based on what I read. Now, granted, I was reading the notes that I wrote for myself, but even so. No responsibility. But there's the clarification. I covered that base at least. Okay, number one, from the Daily Wire, it says, President Joe Biden officially signed the American Rescue Plan into law on Thursday afternoon, making the official enactment of the $1.9 trillion stimulus bill uh, and his first major legislative initiative one day ahead of schedule. The bill, you like how we just say the word trillion now, like it, like it's nothing. We're so used to saying, oh yeah, we spend 1.9 trillion, trillion here, trillion there. We, we have no concept of how enormous these numbers are. I mean, literally incomprehensible, these numbers. You, you, you can't comprehend how big a trillion dollars, we spend it like it's nothing. The bill, Biden's first major legislative initiative, provides hundreds of billions of dollars for states and local governments, sends individuals uh, $1,400 relief checks to the majority of American Americans that extends a $300 boost to unemployment benefits until early September. Plan also provides uh, $28.6 billion for restaurants, $50 billion for COVID-19 testing and contact tracing, and $15 billion for vaccine distribution. Um, as among, and we haven't even, the things I've listed there, we haven't even made it to a trillion yet, not even close to that. So there's a lot more and there's a lot of, there's a lot of pork, a lot of pet projects from the left that are being, um, that that are being added into this. And that's the thing that, that most conservatives are complaining about is all the pork and all the other things that have nothing to do with COVID-19 that are, that are added to this bill. And yes, 
let's complain about that. Uh, I, that's something worthy of, of our complaints, even if they don't amount to anything. But my, my, real issue, my real issue is with the stimulus itself. Why are we giving, uh, why are we spending billions and billions more to once again send out checks to people, many of whom didn't lose their job and are suffering no particular financial hardship from the pandemic? Now, yes, don't get me wrong. There are lots of people, millions of people who did lose their job and are suffering extraordinary financial hardship. Should we help those people? Absolutely. The government took their jobs away. The government owes them money. Okay, that's a, that's, a, that's a real entitlement in the sense that they are entitled to the help because the government did this. Let's help those people. I have no, no issue with that. But there are millions of people we're sending checks to for no reason. They, they're doing fine. Yeah, it was, it's been a tough year for all of us, but you, you didn't lose your job. If you didn't lose your job and you, you suffered no particular financial hardship, why should you get money? Why should you get paid because there was a pandemic? But that's what we're doing. They, they set the, um, you know, they, they determine this based on income level. Everybody under a certain income level gets money. I mean, we are governed by absolute children. What a, what a ridiculous, stupid way of handling this. It's like someone says, hey, there's a pandemic. What should we do? Um, give people money. Well, what people? doesn't matter. Just give them money. No, it does matter. It matters a lot who you give it to. Yet, would it be difficult to actually uh, find and single out the people who need it, who lost their jobs? Yeah, it'd be hard to do. But do the hard thing. I'd rather you do the hard and difficult thing, and then we spend the money in a way that's meaningful, instead of spending billions of dollars for no reason at all. You might as well throw it on a burn pile and set it on fire. All these people on social media now, and, and I get it, right? Like they're, they're celebrating, oh, I got my check coming. I'm going to go buy some video games. Okay. I, you know, I, I'm not saying, look, if you get the check, I'm not saying you should send it back or whatever. Because if you send it back, the government's just going to waste it on something else. So um, sure, go ahead. They send it to you. Might as well spend it. Um, or, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not suggesting you should yourself go out and, and burn it uh, you know, to make some sort of statement. The money's already been spent. So what else are you going to do? So I get it. I don't begrudge people for being, you know, for, for using the money, but, but, but still really, really dumb plan. Really dumb. Okay. Um, number two, Stacy Dash, who's uh, an actress, former Fox news contributor, I guess now former, former conservative. And she's on a bit of an apology tour trying to make her way back into the left's good graces. She did an interview with, I think it was daily mail TV. Uh, talking about, you know, her experience as a conservative. And um, we'll, we'll play that and then we'll talk about the left's reaction to this. But let's play the interview first. Here she is. I've lived my life being angry. You know, I'm, which was what I was on Fox News. You know, I was the angry, conservative black woman. And at that time in my life, it was uh, who I was. And I realized in 2016 that anger is unsustainable and it will destroy you. And, you know, what people don't know is that I made a lot of mistakes. And because of that anger. Being a supporter of Trump, you know, has put me in some kind of box that I do not belong in. I don't hate anyone. I don't, you know, I, I don't know where that comes from. And, well, I, he's not the president. <laughs> so I'm going to give the president that we have right now a chance. So nothing that she's saying there is terribly unreasonable. And I mean, I don't know really anything about her. If she feels like she was too angry or she had been consumed by anger or something like that, then, um, then... And, and you know, she wants to make that change, more power to you. But the thing is, if you're trying to get back into the into mainstream good graces, looking for forgiveness from the left, I mean, how many times do we go over this on the show? It's not going to happen. The only way, the, the, the way that I found out about this is that her name was trending on Twitter 
I clicked on the name. And before I could even find the interview or what it was referring to, it was just a whole bunch of people, thousands of people saying basically to Stacy, um, Stacy Dash, kiss our ass. Like your, your apology is not accepted. It's not going to be accepted. We don't accept you back. Uh, you, even if you've changed your mind, you at one point expressed views that we disagree with and you express them publicly. And that is an unforgivable sin from our perspective on the left. And that's, that's simply the way it goes. It's, it is something to keep in mind. If you go, if you're going to go out in public and express any kind of anti-leftist views, I think it's a great thing to do. I do it every single day, but just know there's no going back from it. It'll never, it doesn't matter. Once you do it, it's the unforgivable sin. And so that crowd, that, they're, they're, you're, you're never going to be friends with them. They're never going to accept you. And that's fine. That's fine with me. But you got to know, you got to know what you get yourself into. All right. Number three um, from the Daily Wire, it says, Victor Obiols, a translator from Spain, was commissioned to provide a translation of Amanda Gorman's viral The Hill We Climb poem. After completing the project, however, uh, this this from the Daily Wire, I don't know if I said that. After completing the project, however, he said that the publisher had rejected the translation, saying that they wanted a translator who was a woman, young, activist, and preferably black. According to BBC News, Victor, uh, whose previous work includes translations of Shakespeare and Oscar Wilde, was asked to translate Gorman's poem. What a step down. He goes from translating Shakespeare to Amanda Gorman. But he's not, he's translated Shakespeare and Oscar Wilde, but uh, he's not worthy. He's not worthy of the great Amanda Gorman. He was asked to tra- translate Gorman's poem in a forward by Oprah Winthre- Infrey, uh, Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey several weeks ago. But the editor of the Barcelona publisher Universe told Spain's FA news agency on Wednesday that after the translation was complete, the company pre- received a request from a U.S. group Viking Books for the work work uh, to be carried out by a female activist with African-American origins. Now, if this sounds a little bit familiar to you, this is actually the second controversy surrounding a translation of Amanda Gorman's work. Uh, This comes soon after Dutch translator with a name that I'm not even going to try to pronounce, who is outspoken on issues including gender equality and mental health and identities, identifies as non-binary and uses the pronouns they, them, stepped down um, after... He was going to translate some of Amanda Gorman's stuff, but this was declared also completely wrong. In fact, this was declared incomprehensible. Critics were saying it's incomprehensible that they would choose a non-black, non-activist to translate her work. I have to say, I kind of understand where they're coming from. This is why, you know, I threw out recently my copy of uh, Crime and Punishment. I threw it in the trash in disgust because I don't want any Dostoevsky book that isn't translated by a Russian epileptic ex-con from the 19th century. You know, I I need someone who understands his lived experiences. And if you can't find, you know, if there's no, give me one good reason. Give me one good reason why you can't find right now a Russian epileptic ex-con from the 19th century to translate his work. No good excuse. Of course, really, the main question, though, is uh, aside from the the utter absurdity of all this, the main question is, why are we translating her drivel in the first place? You're translating it into other languages. This stuff, again, is not even poetry. And it's bad enough when you listen to it, because with slam, slam poetry, it's all about the performance. That's all it is. It has to be performed in such a way as to seem profound and meaningful. When you read it on the page, you see it for how empty and shallow it really is. So, for example, here is, I think this is the poem that all the controversy is over. The Hill We Climb. Was that the, um, first of all, wasn't The Hill We Climb a Miley Cyrus song from like 10 years ago? Or is that something else? But I think this was the inaugural. So the inaugural poem, which I think is The Hill We Climb, I could be wrong about that. But I went and looked up the text of the uh, the poem that she gave at the inauguration. And let me, I'll just read. I'll, I'll read to you the, the lyrics or whatever we would call the text of that poem. 
Part of it, anyway. She said, when day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade. We've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace. And the norms and notions of what just is, isn't always justice. And yet the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. Now, I feel like I didn't do my point justice here because I performed that in such a powerful way. So I may have, I may have undermined my own point. You may have just gotten wrapped up in my performance. I think I did a better job than she did. But I, I, I really wanted to hear you, wanted you to hear the, the words. Listen to all the cliches. One cliche after another. The belly of the beast. What are you doing putting that into your poem? This is like if, if you are a sixth grader writing poetry for a writing class. Their teacher, this would be a C plus at best. And they'd be circling lines like that and saying, no, 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 don't put this. Don't put a cliched phrase in your poem. The belly of the beast. The, the dawn, the dawn will be here soon. Nothing but one a parade of cliches. And this is now, this is the height of our poetic accomplishment as a nation now. She is our greatest. What does that tell you? Amanda Gorman is our greatest poet. Uh, uh, she's the great poet of this generation. That. Okay, um, moving on. Number four, Joe Biden gave a speech last night. Didn't watch the speech. Don't care that much. But there's one clip I wanted to play for you. Uh, and here it is. Let's listen. I need you. I need every American to do their part. And that's not hyperbole. I need you. I need you to get vaccinated when it's your turn and when you can find an opportunity. And to help your family, your friends, your neighbors get vaccinated as well. Because here's the point. If we do all this, if we do our part, if we do this together, by July the 4th, there's a good chance you, your families and friends, will be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout and a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. That doesn't mean large events with lots of people together, but it does mean small groups will be able to get together. After this long, hard year, that will make this Independence Day something truly special. Where we not only mark our independence as a nation, but we begin to mark our independence from this virus. But to get there, we can't let our guard down. This fight is far from order, from over, as I told the woman in Pennsylvania. I'll tell you the truth. A July 4th with your loved ones is the goal. First of all, Joe, calm down, back off. Um, I need you. I need you, baby. I need you. He thought he was talking to like a secretary for a second. Just don't, Joe. Ease up a little bit. Uh, second, every time you hear this guy speak and, and you watch it especially, you really get the impression, even if what he is saying is basically coherent as it was there, uh, oftentimes it isn't, but even if it is, you really get the impression that he doesn't know what he's saying. There's this, and I'm not, I don't say this as a joke, there is this really disturbing, vacant look in his eyes where you can tell he doesn't, he's not with it, he's not there. And then third, um, we might... He might give us permission on July 4th, 2021, to gather with small groups of, of family and friends. He might give us permission to do that. If he decides, in his graciousness, his, uh, his magnanimity, if he decides that he's going to allow it, maybe he will. Of course, I, I assume still masked. We'll have to wear the masks. Well, I can tell you, Joe, that I was with a large group of unmasked people for July 4th last year. And by the way, nobody, we all survived. We all made it through. And I'll be doing that again this year, no, no matter what you say. Because your, 
ideas of what I can and can't do, your opinions of what I can and cannot do are immaterial to me, are irrelevant. I don't care. And I would hope that we're all at that point now. Okay, a couple other things um, on a Friday. I want to get through all of these. Yeah, I wanted to play this too. I've had this for a couple of days. Real quick clip from the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, who for some reason has decided to launch a campaign against alternative social media platforms. Not the big ones, not Twitter or Facebook, but the alternative ones where some people on the right, some conservatives are going. He's, he's attacking those platforms. And uh, here he is announcing that plan. Let's watch. Anti-Semitic platforms like Gab have no place in Texas and certainly do not represent Texas values. What does represent Texas values is legislation like this by Representative King and Representative Goldman that fights anti-Semitism in Texas. What are you guys doing down there in Texas? You get a lot right, but what are you doing with this guy? How's this the guy you chose? I mean, he goes from supporting the lockdowns and the masking for a year, and then he lifts it, and he expects everyone to applaud him and thank him. Oh, thank you, dear leader. Thank you for, 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 for removing these chains that you put on us to begin with. And now he's going after Gab? That's The Republican governor of Texas is launching a campaign against Gab in an alternative social media site where some conservatives are going. That's what you're focused on? Not big tech censorship, not Amazon, you know, taking down scientific information because it doesn't work with their political agenda. What about Pornhub? Victimizing children and women. What about them? I mean, there, there are a lot of places. If, if you're looking to, to, to go on a crusade against, against websites, there, there are a lot of good ones you could choose. Gab? This... You guys, like I said, who am I to judge? But um, not the best decision with this guy down there in Texas. Number five, finally, the New York Post reports, scientists have begun to lay plans to, uh, for repopulation, starting with a sperm bank on the moon. In what they're calling a modern global insurance policy, mechanical engineers have proposed that humans establish a repository of reproductive cells, sperm and ova, from 6.7 million of Earth's species, including humans. The proposed bank or ark would be beneath the moon's surface. As our planet faces natural disasters, drought, asteroids, and potential for nuclear war, scientists say that humans must set their sights on space travel to preserve life as we know it. And um, the author of the study, Jekin Thenga, says Earth is naturally a volatile environment, uh, which is why they want to... Earth is is a volatile environment, which is why we want to put it on, on the moon. On the moon, there's there's no environment, there's no atmosphere, wild swings in temperature. Like it goes from like 250 degrees to negative 250 degrees, um, depending on on um, where it's positioned in relation to the sun. I, I I don't know. It doesn't seem like the most practical plan in the world, but I could be wrong. And the, the the main problem though is that you're just asking, right? You're just asking for aliens to take these things and do experiments. You're opening the invitation. You're putting this stuff up on the moon? Is this this like bait or something to lure the aliens in? If that was the plan, then maybe I could support it. You are all but guaranteeing. Think about this. You are guaranteeing that a future generation of humans are going to be raised in matrix pods on planet Zepticon or whatever. All because of this. Reckless. Reckless. Now a word from one of our favorite sponsors, Rock Auto. You know, if you have any kind of car trouble, you need auto parts, you got a couple different ways you can go about it. One of those ways, the old-fashioned way, get in your car, drive down to the auto parts store, go looking around for what you can, you know, through their limited selection, you're going to find stuff that's way too expensive. Go through that whole rigmarole, or you can just go to rockauto.com. It's so much easier than walking into a store and dealing with all of that hassle. You have access to rockauto.com at your desk, in your pocket. You've got it there with you all the time. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible. They're not going to change the prices. They're not going to, you know, try to figure out how much they think they can get out of you and and charge you more. It's not going to work that way. RockAuto.com is a family business. 
an honest business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, again, the prices at rockauto.com are reliably low all the time. Their selection is great. Best price, best selection. What more could you ask for? You got to go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write Walsh in there. How did you hear about this box? So they know that we sent you. Um, all right, let's move on to reading the YouTube comments. This is from John Mark Fleming says, listening to Matt Walsh to the to Matt's show is like getting to Friday. It's all business with Ben, analysis, analysis with Knowles. But listening to the Matt Walsh show is like sitting down to a cold one with your disgruntled and gloomy yet charming dad. Hmm. I think I'll take that as, as a compliment. But you're still banned, of course. Bilal Benassar says, Matt's beard reminds me of a physics teacher I once had who would turn his heat on just to annoy his neighbors upstairs because all the heat went upstairs. Matt would 100% do that. I would absolutely do that. That's great. Um, Mary Joseph says, just popped in to leave a like. Catch you later. Well, I, I, I do appreciate that. And again, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to, make sure to smash that like, like button, friends, uh, and hit subscribe to the notification bell. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure to subscribe. I'm going to keep pestering you about this. Until I have 40 million YouTube subscribers, you will hear me continue to say this. Uh, so I do appreciate that, Mary. But at the same time, you said you popped in to leave a like and didn't watch the show. So um, I guess I'm not good enough for you. So you're not good enough for me. You're banned. Taylor Stewart says, unfortunately, Matt, I know so many people waiting around for Fauci to tell them when they can live again. Sad. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I don't. This has been the weird thing for me. Uh, we all have our own bubbles, right? And uh, this has been the weird thing for me through the pandemic is that I don't personally know a lot of people like that. People in my family, the people I work with, uh, most of my friends, you know, aren't, aren't like that. You know, we, we've all been basically living our normal lives this entire time. But I certainly know that those people are out there. And I hear from, from folks all the time, their family members are, are in the, the really paranoid camp. And so that's got to be tough to deal with. Uh, Will Stewart says, question for Friday's show, is Matt wearing skinny jeans again today? I wasn't wearing skinny jeans in the first place. Those were not skinny jeans. 420 Snack Time says, are you still wearing your jeggings? They were not jeggings and they were not skinny jeans. They were regular jeans. Josh Hidalgo says, Matt SJW equals Matt skinny jeans Walsh. Mathman says, just wear your skinny jeans at 500,000 subscribers. They're not, I don't have skinny. I can't wear them because I don't have them. I have regular jeans. You know, okay. I go to the store. I go to the, the, the pants department and I pick up some jeans. That's all I do. The judgment and the shaming is out of control. You're all banned, of course. I truly do believe that uh, we can make the world a better place just by reading books. And I, even though it's written down here for me to say, I really do believe it. I actually think that that's the case. Rather than rather than you know social media, watching TV, watching Netflix, if we if we all spend more time reading books, we'd be more interesting and more intelligent people. Um, and there's a crisis of stupidity in this culture. That's one of the ways that you solve it. If you agree with me and you've been looking for a new title to check out, look no further. The New York Times best-selling author and renowned podcast host, none other than our very own Andrew Clavin, just released the third and final installment in the Another Kingdom series. And this is the last one. If you, if you read the other two and you loved it, you got to pick up this one. If you haven't read the other two, then buy the other two and this one, read all three. The first two books in the series didn't disappoint. So I'll personally be sitting down to find out how this latest one concludes, uh, how it all comes together. The Emperor's Sword is what it's called. It's now available to purchase online. You can go to amazon.com and search The Emperor's Sword. Go right now, amazon.com. Andrew Clavin's latest, The Emperor's Sword. Also, uh, I want to tell you about on election night, you know, we, we announced that Candace Owens will be joining the Daily Wire with a new show. And now the wait is finally over or it's almost over anyway. March 19th, Friday, March 19th, the new show Candace will premiere. Um, and we know about Candace. She's the founder of the Blexit Foundation, worked to uh, change the narrative that surrounds America's minority communities. She's also the author of the New York Times bestseller Blackout, How Black America Can Make Its Second Escape from the Democrat Plantation. She's done a lot of stuff. A uh, very interesting person, always with interesting ideas. And now um, Candace will be available exclusively to Daily Wire members. So if you're not yet a member, go to dailywire.com slash subscribe and use code Candace to get 25% off. Again, that's dailywire.com slash subscribe and use code Candace to get 25% off. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. 
Now, while the leaders of other countries are focused on, you know, making their militaries into more effective and deadlier fighting machines, which thrive at the central task of killing the enemy, the folks in charge of our military have an entirely different set of priorities, it would seem. For them, America's greatest adversary isn't China or any other world power, but intolerance. And the best way to defeat intolerance is through the promotion of diversity and inclusion. Now, once you understand that these are the new priorities of a military that has long been a petri dish for leftist social experimentation, the events of this past week become slightly more comprehensible. Um, Without this background understanding, it might seem shocking and bewildering that a search for the phrase military leaders in Google's news tab delivers not articles about those leaders developing devastating new battlefield technology or doing anything else to make the U.S. safer and more secure, but dozens of headlines like this one from the Military Times. It says, senior leaders dunk on Tucker Carlson's misogynistic comments about maternity flight suits. NBC News, Tucker Carlson slammed by military leaders for mocking pregnant service members. Yahoo News, Pentagon takes unprecedented shot at Tucker Carlson for dissing military diversity. This is what the Pentagon is focused on. The crisis that's attracted the attention of these fearless warriors is, as the headline suggests, a politically incorrect opinion expressed by a cable news host. On his show a few days ago, Tucker Carlson had an appropriately derisive reaction to President Biden's remarks on International Women's Day, where Biden discussed his plans to get more women involved in combat, including pregnant women, And part of his plan, Biden said, is to offer maternity flight suits and to update hairstyle requirements. Here's Biden explaining. You know, some of some of it's relatively uh, straightforward work where we're making good progress, designing body armor that fits women properly, tailoring combat uniforms for women, creating maternity flight suits, updating uh, updating requirements for their hairstyles. And some of it is going to take an, uh, you know, an, an intensity of purpose and mission to really change the culture and habits that cause women to leave the military. That women are making sure more diverse candidates are considering being considered for career advancing opportunities at every single level. That women aren't penalized in their careers for having children that women aren't just token members, but integral parts throughout all branches and all divisions. That vacant look once again. But Carlson's point about these plans is simply that they don't seem designed to actually make the military better at what the military is supposed to do, protect the country and kill the enemy. These are changes based not on science and data, but ideology. Here's, uh, Here's Tucker. So we've got new hairstyles and maternity flight suits. Pregnant women are going to fight our wars. It's a mockery of the U.S. military. While China's military becomes more masculine as it's assembled the world's largest navy, our military needs to become, as Joe Biden says, more feminine. Whatever feminine means anymore, since men and women no longer exist. The bottom line is it's out of control, and the Pentagon's going along with this. Again, this is a mockery of the U.S. military and its core mission, which is winning wars. He's totally right, of course. And it's likely the fact that he's right, which provoked military leadership to go into DEFCON 1. The command senior enlisted leader of the United States Space Command, Master Gunnery Sergeant Scott H. Stalker, posted a video on Twitter blasting Tucker for causing drama and arguing that the cable host has no military experience. Also, Stalker noted, the decision to include more pregnant women in the armed forces was made by medical experts. Here's uh, some of that. Let's listen. Let me tell you where he's wrong. Those decisions were made by medical professionals, by commanders, and our civilian leadership that allows for women to have more time with their children to recuperate, to get fit and ready, to take that time that's necessary that our medical professionals know is needed, which actually makes us a more lethal and ready and fit force, ready to fight the wars of today and the wars of tomorrow. The bottom line is that we value women in our, in our armed forces. We value the, those that have served in the past, and we value those that have served today. We value our families in the military. 
I want to say God bless everyone that is serving today. God bless the women that are serving today. God bless the men and women that are serving today. God bless our country, our partners, and our allies. Let's get back to work. Let's remember that those opinions were made by an individual who has never served a day in his life. Let's remember that's all about drama TV. God bless America. Semper Fidelis. Now, the problem with this argument is that it's beside the point. The fact that Tucker's never served in the military does not preclude him from making common sense observations about the military. And by the way, this whole thing about how you, 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 you can't criticize military policy unless you've served in the military. So what you're saying is you can't criticize the government unless you've worked for it. I'm not sure I'm a fan of that. I'm not sure that that's the most American. In fact, I would say that's about the most anti-American opinion you could possibly express. And the fact that medical experts said it's okay to have pregnant women piloting aircraft doesn't mean that it's better or even good to have more pregnant women piloting aircraft. I don't care if they said it's okay. What does it have to do with anything? Who gives a damn about that? The first and primary question that the people running our military, whether civilian or enlisted, should be asking is whether any given change will help to make the military into a more lethal fighting force. That should be the motivation behind every change, because that's the fundamental purpose of the military. The problem isn't just that the Biden administration wants to include women in the military. They've already been included for decades. So we're way past that. It's that he wants to take active steps to recruit more and more women and get more of them involved in in combat at every level. And so, again, we have to ask, will this make the military better at killing the bad guys? We're not asking, did the medical experts say it's okay? We're not asking about diversity. We're not, will this make the military better at killing the bad guys? If, if, if America was going to war with an enemy and you could choose between fighting an enemy with a, with a military comprised 100% of men or a military comprised 50% of men or 50% of women, which would you choose to fight against? Does it make the military better at killing the bad guys when you include more women? The answer to that question is pretty clearly no. Now, we can arrive at this conclusion through the employment of basic common sense. Uh, Those who require studies to confirm common sense judgments will be interested to know that the studies do indeed find that exactly what sensible people would expect them to find. As NPR reported in 2015, quote, a year-long Marine Corps study trying to understand how gender integration would affect combat readiness has found that all male units were faster, more lethal, and able to evacuate casualties in less time. Overall, according to a summary of the study, all male squads performed better than mixed groups in 69% of the tasks evaluated. Faster and more lethal. All male squads are faster and more lethal because men in general are faster and more lethal. This probably explains why the Navy SEALs opened their ranks to women years ago But still, no woman has managed to become one. Only the fastest and most lethal can make it through, and no woman has ever been able to get over that bar. Now, admittedly, I also say this is someone who, like Carlson, did not serve. But it seems to me that when it comes to the U.S. military, faster and more lethal is good. Tell me if I'm wrong. I didn't serve in the military. that's, that's, That's what it seems to me, that it's good. If I had to choose between making the military faster and more lethal or making it slower and less lethal, I would choose faster and more lethal. That, that, that's, that seems better to me. If increased efforts to recruit and evolve more and more women will have the effect of making our fighting forces slower and less lethal, then those efforts are bad. It's that simple. Now, if the other side of this argument has evidence that, in fact, women make the military more lethal, then they ought to present it. You just heard there, he claimed, he said, oh, this is... Including pregnant women and giving them time off with their kids is all part of making us a more lethal fighting force. Really? How so? Can you explain that? I'm going to need a little bit more than that. But the really troubling fact is that the other side isn't actually interested in having an argument about what policies will make the military better at killing the enemy. To them, killing the enemy ought not be the central function of the institution at all. General Jacqueline Van Ovost... Um, also it responded to Tucker Carlson and explained, quote, there are nearly 70,000 qualified kick-ass female airmen, um, U.S. Air Force airmen. For years, we have evolved and will continue to evolve, shedding antiquated policies, preventing any woman from reaching their full potential. 
Inclusion is our strength. It'll be the difference between winning and losing. Inclusion is our strength. This, of course, is madness. If inclusion is our strength, then why have boot camp? Why have any physical or performance standards at all? Why have elite units like the SEALs and the Rangers? The point in all of those cases is to exclude, to weed out the weakest and the least capable. For the first two centuries of our nation's existence, back when our military was toppling empires and winning world wars, it was thought that our strength was strength. We had the baddest and toughest and most well-trained men and the best strategic minds to lead and guide them. And that's how we achieved world-changing victory after world-changing victory. But that was back when things were allowed to have a purpose that transcended the political. The left will not permit such trifles anymore. Now all things in their control, let's face it, the military is one of those things, have the primary purpose of advancing the leftist ideological agenda. So we will go out of our way to get women, even pregnant women, into fighter jets and onto the battlefield. And we'll recruit transgender people and pay for their sex changes with tax money. And do a hundred other things that will in no way make us stronger or safer as a nation because the powers that be have decided that it is no longer the military's job to be a military. If they are to be warriors anymore, they must be, they must, uh, be warriors of the social justice variety. And that's how it's going to go, at least until we're invaded and conquered. And for all of those reasons, the people running our military, starting at the top with Joe Biden, are certainly, without a doubt, canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. See you next week. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Walsh Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Claven. <laughs> 